Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. In this episode, we've got an old, old friend of mine. His name is Brandon Hassler. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Threw me off there. That's right. I actually, uh, we do have a guest on our episode this, uh, this I was going to say this evening. Uh, his name is Greg Judd. Greg Judd is the COO of Ziglio. That kind of has a nice ring to it. It does have a nice ring to it. It rolls off the tongue. So, Greg, before I give you the opportunity to kind of intro yourself, I want to intro our relationship a little bit. Absolutely. Greg and I met in 2008. We were both valets together. I feel Vegas? Like I feel like I've been telling this story a lot recently. Well, it's an important story that needs to be told. That's right. right. It's uh, both living up in the avenues, to, driving to fancy anyone, cars, that's right. to going to the U together. Listen. Yeah, so uh, Greg moved up here. When did, how long have you lived here? So I came up to go to the U, it would have been 2007. So yeah, I met you shortly. Okay, yeah, because I moved up here 2007. Mm -hmm. I went to the U. We got a job at, at Las uh, uh, VPS. VPS, yep. Valley Parking Services mm -hmm. up in Salt Lake City. We both lived in the avenues. Mm -hmm. We worked at the Hotel Monaco together for about 18 months. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then uh, I, I think you were still there when I left, but, uh, but then we didn't see each other for a long time. I, and I remember... Like, we were tight. Well, the bond is back together again. That's yeah, all that matters. That's so all that matters. And what's funny is I, you were studying, like, mechanical engineering or something like that? No, and I was, not even close to that. What were you? What was your major? <laughs> You're uh, not that smart. I, I think at that point, you I was... You had a, a major which has nothing to do with what you do now, as, as do I. So my very, <laughs> yeah, my very first declared major was social work. I could see just, like, <laughs> mind-blown social... What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't actually take any classes. It was just declared, and then I was like, what am I doing? And then mm -hmm. I switched, and after that, I went into um, strategic communication, which is what I got my degree in, which is like the weird way of saying public relations, mm -hmm. which I'm so happy I didn't go into PR. It's funny how so many degrees, so mine was political science and philosophy, right? Yep. And a lot of those degrees aren't like, hey, I graduate and I take this job, but at least they teach you to write well, to think well, to be analytical. Um, yeah, most people will get a major, um, at least as far as their undergrad goes, and then they end up in a job such as marketing. That's that right. has nothing to do with it. I feel <laughs> like marketing is the default, like, you don't use your degree? Welcome to marketing. <laughs> anyway, so, so that's kind of our background. Greg and I, it was kind of radio silent for a few years, and then every once in a while we'd pop up on each other's radar mm -hmm. and realized, holy cow, we're both in marketing. Cool. Let's, uh, let's keep in touch. And then just recently with, uh, with Ziglio... Mm -hmm. Uh, we've uh, we've been talking a lot more. Anyway, so Absolutely. Greg Judd, the band's back together in, in Ziglio. <laughs> okay, so now that's kind of the personal side. Uh, give us a brief synopsis of Greg Judd uh, from the day, first days of marketing to today. That's a good question. So uh, it's funny. I, I was sitting uh, with Chad Ingram from Jump, and we were talking about how we both were thinking of going the law school route and ended up completely bailing on that idea, going into the entrepreneur side of things. Um, and it, it's funny, life presents you with, with opportunities and it really, you know, some are good choices, others lead you a different direction, but I feel really fortunate uh, with, with how things have, have come to play. So yeah, my plan was to go to law school, be a lawyer. Um, I ended up doing something completely different and joined a rock band, uh, toured around the country. And so I was never formally trained per se in marketing, but my strength throughout my life has been the relationships that I have, you know, uh, partnerships, business. And so as part of that, Can my I pause you real yeah, quick, please. 
only because it's really hard to concentrate when I'm still thinking about you as in a rock band. <laughs> are, are there YouTube videos of you, you know, rocking out in a rock band? So, yeah. So we have. Wait, before you tell us the story, tell us the band name. And then Brandon will uh, do a quick search. Well, <laughs> the irony of this is you guys probably know Dallin Price, who's now with Fire Toss, formerly of Orange Soda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. the bass player in our band. He, does he, is he the one that teaches slash taught at the U? Uh, the guys at Fire Toss do that, but they Dallin, do. yeah, I think he's barely it came wasn't on. Dallin. Okay, yeah. Anyway, it, it's there's a lot of guys in, in the in the Silicon Slopes marketing world that were in the music world for a long time. So yeah, my band was called Victim Effect. Um, we uh, had a, a good run. Again, we would play just down the street here at Valor, back when Valor just barely opened up. Um, we're a much more of a heavy band, and so playing with folk bands was kind of a weird dynamic of how the shows would go. But uh, I, I loved it, absolutely loved it, and wouldn't change it for the world. Um, learned. A lot about myself and you know as you go through living in a, a van with a bunch of other people and having a show that will sell out one day the next show there's maybe five people you you learn a lot about work ethic you <laughs> learn a lot about uh perseverance and i walked away really saying you know what i've gone through that i can probably do anything i put my mind to and that sounds kind of generic but it's true yeah. um you know half the battle with anything that's worthwhile it's just pushing through because none of it's easy. That's yeah. for sure. So did you have any groupies? <laughs> uh, my wife's listening, so I'll, I'll please, no, I'm just kidding. No, we were, we were, we were very mild. I mean, we were, we had a lot of fun. Again, we had luckily enough to play on, you know, some shows on the Warp Tour. And uh, I think you're looking at the Taste of Chaos tour up at, uh, at Ben Salt Lake. Do you, do you have some audio? Uh, I, I mean, I, I haven't muted right now. Is this okay, Greg? Can, oh, we, can we play you know a quick what? little clip? Having been the guy that wears the tight pants and may have worn eyeliner during a show, I'm, I'm fully comfortable with admitting <laughs> that uh, we were we were that band. <laughs> this is what. Yeah, put put the mic up there. Let me let's let people hear this for a minute. So this this is this is kind of fun. Not another direction I thought we'd go, but oh yeah, you know I'm pretty sure I knew this about you at that time. Uh, where, where? Would you say you were at all similar to the used? Yes. In uh, fact, did I mean, you perform the, with the used? We we did. We did um, a handful of times. Our big thing was, hey, let's play yeah, heavier. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> He's like, that's I have good. a headache now. Turn it off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Our, our thing was very much, hey, we're all you know very different, uh, tr differently trained musicians. You know, I was like the classic rock. Yeah, metal guy of the group, and we had all, just a wide variety of influences, but that style was really popular at the time, right? The used were getting huge, and Thirty Seconds to Mars had just come out, so I feel like we were able to kind of blend that style, but with our own influences, and it was a lot more melodic than just screaming into the microphone the whole time, which is fun to do too. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm 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 hesitant to keep talking about the band stuff because that's more entertaining than probably what we will be talking about. Well, and let's, let's be honest. You're a musician too, though. You can't hide that. Uh, barely. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I remember being, uh, it's funny. Every once in a while I'll tell people that I was in a band um, because a few of my friends got together in like someone's living room and we just like played together. Mm -hmm. uh, and our name, our band name was Mr. Jones and Insom Mr. Jones insomniac. That's a phenomenal name. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, the last thing I'll say uh, before I move on from the band thing is uh, I've got a friend who is like amazing guitarist who actually wrote our podcast intro. His name is Sean South. Nice. And uh, I'm going to allow everyone to hear that intro right now. 
went a complete curveball there, but the way this all ties together <laughs> is, you know, everything that you are involved with in life, whether it's business or personal, you'll meet people that will have an opportunity and you'll take that opportunity and magically it'll lead to other opportunities. And that's exactly how I got into the marketing world. Again, I was in finance, uh, very much into business, nothing to do with marketing. And uh, one of my best buddies that I grew up with uh, in St. George named Dane Jorgensen was big in the affiliate space and had a startup called Automation Hero and was looking to build a sales team. And I thought, you know what? This sounds, this sounds fun. Um, you know, the, the tech boom was happening. This was probably 2013, 2014. Um, yeah, and from that, uh, you know, that, that startup ended up failing, but the, the accounts that they managed ended up being sold to a company we all love called Disruptive Advertising. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jake Badsgard and I sat down and, and hit it off, and I was lucky enough to be part of that, uh, that agency for a long time, and yeah, that's, that was kind of my entry into marketing. Um, but again, for me, it was more so, all right, building teams, matching what our clients needed with the right people, whether that was us or whether it was saying, hey, call up Dan and Brian at Big Leap or call up 97th floor, you know, really just trying to match the right people. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, uh, okay. So that's kind of now present day. You left disruptive. You're now at Ziglio. Yeah. So in fact, one of our, our first clients, um, was a company called goodaccounts.com. We were discussing this earlier. So they were kind of like the cars.com of the accounting world. So if you need an outsourced CFO or outsourced controller, you know, at the time they were spending, you know, a little bit over six figures a month on Google AdWords. And that was our thing, right? We're an AdWords agency. We're really good at it. And so from that, uh, a lot of times these companies that would reach out would have a consultant that would vet out these agencies. Uh, and that's how I met my, my wonderful, awesome Jamaican partner, Leighton Scarlett. Shout out to uh, Jamaican, all my other partners out there. Hmm. Um, yeah. So Leighton was the one that brokered that whole deal. Um, you know, you meet people and you just develop a good connection. And that's what we had. We're from very different backgrounds, but you know, he would come out here to Salt Lake to visit us. We would go back out to meet with him. And for, for years, he's like, Greg, I've got this awesome idea. Um, I don't think anyone's doing it. And he was even testing uh, the idea with some of the, the clients he was consulting with. So you know, every marketing agency out there worth their weight will use some sort of attribution product, whether it's call tracking, you know, there's a wide variety of items out there. And again, at Disruptive, we would use call tracking metrics, you know, CallRail, all of them are phenomenal products. Mm -hmm. um, what the caveat that he was trying to, to overcome was, well, you know, great from a traditional perspective, someone goes to the website, you cookie the visitor, you then can retarget that person. Well, what about uh, these clients of his that were on TV and on radio and doing mailers and doing all these offline sources? Um, at the time, it wasn't, you know, the, the audience capabilities of Facebook weren't as good as they are now, of course. And so having to manually upload lists and build out lookalike audiences, it was a very tedious and, and lengthy process. So his idea was, let's take all the data from when someone calls in. Let's do uh, an advanced caller lookup where we pull in a bunch of data points. Again, address, male or female, age ranges. The stuff that, from a marketing perspective, that's what you want. You don't want to cast a wide net. You want to say, my audience is male. They're in the East Coast. They meet these, this, this criteria. And so that, that's what our software does. We literally build a profile of who that person is when they call in, automatically link that information into a real-time uh, remarketing campaign across uh, Google, across YouTube, um, across uh, Facebook, and also Instagram. Mm -hmm. So. Um, the, the beauty of that is it's, you know, people were doing it manually, but no one was really automating the whole process. Yeah. So think of a company that's getting, let's say thousands of phone calls a day 
Um, let's see if the buying cycle is, let's say, 24 hours. Staying on top, staying top of mind is crucial. So we view it as really bridging the gap between offline and online marketing. Gotcha. Okay, so real quick, if, if, if a book were written about uh, advertising, whether it's lookalike or retargeting or whatever, Ziglia would probably be in a later chapter. They wouldn't be in Absolutely. the introduction, right? So I want to I want I want to move back just a few chapters to uh, and one thing we we to my knowledge, Brandon, I don't think we've ever talked about uh, in depth like retargeting or uh, uh, lookalike audiences or audiences in general, right? That's one aspect of of the podcast we've never explored. So I want to take a few chapters back and talk about uh, Facebook marketing or totally. advertising in general, whether that's Facebook or, or, or ads. And the reason I want to do this is, is we have a subset of listeners who are small business owners, people mm-hmm. who haven't done any of this before. Totally. So before we start talking about, you know, creating custom <laughs> audiences that's, you know, we don't want to flip, flip to that chapter. What, uh, why would anyone consider doing Facebook ads at all or Instagram great, or AdWords? Great question. Uh, I asked myself the same thing going back <laughs> to 24. Well, just, just, just being on it. Well, so b- because it was different, right? Rewind to let's say 2013, 2014. AdWords, that, that was it. That was where all the search volume was, a little bit with Bing. Um, intent-based marketing was, that was the jam, right? Yeah. I want this product, I type in this keyword, it leads me to this ad, I'm led to this landing page, boom, awesome. Well, uh, the other side of the equation, uh, from a traditional standpoint, you know, the billboard companies, the, um, you know, the, the madmen of the world, it was very much, let's cast a really wide net and let's hope we land some really big fish, but there's yeah. really no attribution behind it. So the, the beautiful thing about Facebook and, and what developed our relationship with them um, as of late is simply getting the right message in front of the right person, not necessarily when they're looking for it, but using demographic data that says, you know what, they've, they've exhibited these behaviors, um, they live in these areas, uh, That using that data and then showing them a product which they're most likely gonna like or, or maybe even check out, right? And the beauty of that is the cost per click when Facebook started getting more, um, you know, more honed in was astronomical, right? So a search term for, let's say, a personal injury in Salt Lake uh, on AdWords was $110. Mm-hmm. Uh, a retargeting ad on Facebook dirt cheap we're talking yep. like 10 cents yeah <laughs> so yep. that's kind of that was that, that people started experimenting with it and realizing okay we need more data um uploading one data point isn't enough and so it, it, the important and you guys know this it you can't just have one marketing channel you have to have a really a widespread approach and then you adjust uh, accordingly okay so let, let's talk facebook specifically because that's what's on my mind uh if someone were in their Facebook account right now, they click on the little carrot that brings down, they go to, you know, Facebook business manager yep. and, then, and then it's just like, where do we start? Where it's overwhelming. Yep. It, it is. Well, uh, me personally, Facebook advertising is actually a lot easier than like Google ad AdWords or uh, Google ads, mm-hmm. right? To where it's way more intuitive, um, step by step. But, but as, as a small business owner, someone who goes in there and they're like, Listen, I think my product or my services would be perfect on Facebook. I want to get in there. Um, where do they start, and at what point do they should they start thinking? Hey, I, like, because Facebook by default question. has like custom audiences and interests, right? And those are like the default easy things that you can just kind of like. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm a plumber, so people who are interested in dry floors, you know, not that that's a category, but uh, <laughs> it should be if it's not. Yeah, yeah. So. So uh, in general, like uh, through this process, at what point should they be thinking, I need, I need to, 
I, I need a company like Ziglio who's creating these these audiences from my the people who are calling me. I mean, is that immediate? Is there some some setup first? That's a great question. So, I mean, similar to how you guys were talking about how you argue organic versus paid, there's also the argument of Facebook versus versus Google, right? What's you know when do you use each platform? What's more effective? Um, and and I think what it comes down to is the type of budget that you have, uh, the type of clients you're going after. Are these people actually calling in? Um, is it uh, a you know somewhat of a quick buying cycle? Um, so the beauty of social media marketing is you can do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, posting, um, following without even paying any money. And that's, that's a great way to get started. But as far as the actual targeting side of things, if you are a business owner that has uh, good data on your clients, you, you know your buyer persona, you have uh, past phone numbers, not just of uh, people who bought from you, but also pr- prospective clients, email lists, you can have a, a great way to get started on the actual paid side of things, uploading those lists. Um, and and we'll, we'll get into this here in a second, but the match rate uh, is, is the bread and butter of, of Facebook saying, okay, I upload this phone number. The, the odds of me finding that person about 40% on average. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that goes into your lookalike audience as well. So the, the beauty of, of, of Ziglio is by using more data and not just using one data point, that match rate on average doubles. So uh, my partners, when they were at, uh, at the Facebook campus going through the accelerator program, the companies they were going up against were all VC backed, you know, had been in the game a long time. And uh, Leighton, Rayon and Kenny uh, went there by themselves and you know, Facebook pulled apart the software, said, hey, we like this, we don't like this. And they came away winning, which spoke volumes to, you know, not them necessarily reinventing the wheel, but saying, you know what, we're automating a very tedious process and we're providing a lot of value. So what they did is they literally uploaded over 100,000 emails, uh, pulled one data point into Facebook, and again, that match rate between 40 to 50%, we'll say. Uh, on average, through Ziglio, same information, uh, between 80 and 85%. So better targeting means less money being paid, trying to figure out who your audience is and how to target them. So what's the, what's the difference? What, what are you guys doing that Facebook isn't? <laughs> Well, and that's that's the beauty of it is you could you could manually do a lot of this stuff, but to have to be to be a large company getting a lot of phone calls, to actually mine that that data on who they are, uh, we do that in near, in near real time. So when Jacob Perry gets in the car accident going to the jazz game and sees the Siegfried and Jensen sign, and you call that, um, our software automatically pulls in uh, who you are, your address, a lot of good rich data, um, and the goal is to be able to retarget you. If not while you're on the phone, shortly thereafter. Yeah. So um, you pull that. I guess clarifying, no. like when Jacob calls and the software gets the phone number, outside of the phone number, how are you able to tie that phone number to like more information that's, about Jacob? That's the beauty. That's the beauty of it. So I mean, going back to the whole law firm conversation, they will have paralegals, interns that will go and scour public records, you know, to build a case for class action, whatever maybe. There's a lot of public information out there that most people probably don't even know is available. You mm-hmm. know, uh, loan information, house information. And so we, uh, between our software and some of our data partners, uh, we can get the most up-to-date data. So not just with uh, people calling in now, but how we talked about uh, with Vivint, uploading past information, um, running it through the software, getting the most up-to-date information, and then creating a campaign out of them. I, I keep coming back to this. Uh, this um... Did that answer your question? I think so, yeah. So basically... Jacob's number comes through the system and it's matched oh. against a bunch of databases exactly. putting together a profile. It, yeah, it's a, it's a super caller ID. 
is what it is. Exactly. Caller ID on steroids. Um, that makes sense. And again, it, from a marketing perspective, you should be doing this anyways, right? You should be figuring out who your audience is, uh, and especially on the social side, when you're building out those audiences, knowing what those metrics are. So, so you guys went to Facebook, you showed them your software, two questions. One, what's stopping them from duplicating your process? And two, uh, is there an acquisition in, in the near future? <laughs> Well, so the accelerator program has even shifted in the year since since we've actually won the award. And so there's like an API award. There's of course the agency award. So we were very much on the software side, mm -hmm. where the value we're providing is a uh, improving not only the match rate of, of Facebook, but making them more relevant. And so they've been trying to figure out how to uh, merge with a lot of the offline attribution, right? So how can we be better serving? the people doing traditional marketing. And so that, that, that's really where it all comes into play is, okay, if someone is not going to the website to call the phone number, and, and again, on the organic side, there's a lot of people that don't go to a landing page. You can't cookie them as, as a visitor. So yeah, if, if, I, if I get an ad uh, or a, a letter in my mail from a law firm and I call that number, um, whether that's a front-facing number or a Ziglio back-facing number, we can then track that and build it into their, the, the digital campaign. So it's a great way to tie those two pieces together. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be a little bit of transparent here, which normally I wouldn't do, but because you're my friend and I like you. And, I like it. And there's a microphone in front of me. Um, so Ziglio, Greg, has come to Vivint and they've presented to us and, and we're super excited about the prospect of working together. <clears throat> but uh, as after our first meeting, I remember our marketing operations team getting together and, and the first thing they were thinking was, we can build this ourselves. Totally. And, uh, and, and I, I mean, I was a part of that conversation and it was like, sure, you probably could, but it would take several months and resources we don't have and money we don't want to allocate to that. So why don't we just pay this small amount that Ziggler is asking for and have it tomorrow, right? So um, anyway, so, so that's my question is, 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 that, right, is, right. That, is that what's stopping people from just building it themselves? Because I mean, you talked about these databases, which probably is your your secret sauce, right? If people had a list of all the databases you guys drew from, you're, you're out of business, right? If that were public, you're done. Well, not necessarily. So, so the beauty here is not just having a technology that, that can uh, expedite or automate the whole process, but yeah. also knowing which data is actually going to help you, right? You can get all sorts of data from whatever source. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but unless you actually know the marketing strategy behind it, which platforms are most effective, that's, that's really the, the whole idea is, it, you know, the, the beauty of our clients is most of them already use an Invoca, a call tracking metrics, a call rail, and, and those, those platforms are awesome, but we can also link that data being pulled through those, those platforms into our API, and it, it, it more or less is an extension of what they're already doing. So attribution's one thing, actually using the data to build a campaign is, is completely, yeah. completely separate. I, I usually try to be as objective as possible when talking about companies that guests are representing Good question but at the same time uh, I am a little biased because of of the experiences we've had recently where Ziglio comes to our office they start to demo it and like five minutes later we're like integrated right and it's like especially at Vivint where our systems are so complicated and you hit and, the nail on the head and, and integration <laughs> is just like a nightmare that's always the first question is like how do we integrate this and 10 minutes into our conversation it's like wait are are is this it? Are we done? It's like, yeah, that's it. That's that. That's the biggest selling point right there. Again, you know, you talk about a large company with a large ad budget, ad budget um, proprietary software, lots of tracking. That speaks volume. So, 
don't just think of, oh, we're getting data, we're passing it through. There's, there's a lot of nuances as far as how we mine that, how it pulls into these different APIs that has taken a lot of time yeah, to figure out. Totally. And we didn't just come out of the gate and like, oh, this product works perfect. Totally. It's yeah, taken a lot of time. There's ease of yeah. use for yep. sure. Yep. Okay, so coming back to like the, the marketing side, when we talk about lookalike audiences and retargeting and stuff like that, one thing I was thinking about was like, can you talk us through the difference between cold prospecting and lookalike audiences? Well, because to some extent, they're the same thing. Lookalike audience, it's still a cold contact. You're still contacting or showing ads to people that have never heard about your company. Never, they may not even know that that's a need that they have. Uh, and cold prospecting is like, it's still people do it all the time. That's like a huge thing. They hire people to go just call people. Oh yeah, I mean, I see where you're going with that. I would say, I mean, you think of, uh, let's say a big finance company having a sales team cold calling companies for, for loans, right? That happens all the time. Think of like Wolf of Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street or whatever you want. Um, there's layers as far as, are you talking to the right person? Um, there's a secretary that won't put you through to the CFO or whatever it may be. Um, so similar in the sense, yes, you're casting a really wide net, but as data improves as the, uh, systems and processes improve the by the time you're showing the ad in front of the person there's a good chance uh if they're not going to buy it guess what you can then match that into the algorithm and find a million other people that will probably buy because they meet that same criteria um so that it, it's all about volume it's about uh the ability to and uh, go through a lot of data and then you know push that data forward you know something interesting uh this is kind of a if you have a, what I think is a good, interesting business opportunity, I'm not sure if it's actually in line with Facebook's guidelines, but we are partaking of this fruit uh, at Dev Mountain. I won't say with what website, just in case it's not allowed. But basically, there is a uh, there's a number of websites in our in industry that are essentially like the Yelp of bootcamp review sites. Like if you're looking to go to a, a, a code or design bootcamp, you will go to one of these sites. Like Startup like, Ignition. Well, no, Startup Ignition is like a boot camp website. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. So, like, a, like a director, like a review site. Is that one of the sites that you are, you don't want to use the name of? Like, what's an example of one of those it's sites? It's like insider information. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a comp- it's a website that's like Yelp. You don't want to say the name? I don't want to that... say the name of their website. <laughs> why not? Because then if they get in trouble, Just I can't say it. Use Why would they get resource? in trouble? Just say it. Because I think this is against oh. Facebook's guidelines from our research. Oh, okay. So I'll save them the trouble. But... Uh, yeah. Anyway, there, this like basically, if you're looking into go to, going to a coding boot camp, you will hit this site because if you type in anything like best coding boot camps, uh, this, oh, well, let me let's just, type let me it in right Google now. This, yeah. Among with a couple others, <laughs> will come up, so you can do your research and Jacob's, try to figure it out. Jacob's on it. But anyway, coding part of their we do a lot of sponsorships <laughs> with these types of websites uh, where you can pay, you know, have your school featured and whatnot, sure. or in email blasts. But bo- basically, all these websites. So you don't want me to just like ask you if it's one of these? No, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Blink once for you yes. You can guess all you want. For I'll no. tell you after the show. How's that? Um, but just in case, while this is being recorded. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Uh, all of them actually offer a service. We just pick one of them because we figure if one user is going to this website, they're probably going to go to the others. But they, you pay to get access to their Facebook uh, pixel. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then they just resell it. Which, from what we've looked at, it looks like you're. Facebook technically does not allow you to sell that information to third parties. Do you have like experience with that, Greg? Give access. 
Well, I mean, let's be honest. Between the Cambridge Analytics scenario, there's a lot of unethical things that you can do with technology. Um, the beauty in, in our case specifically is we're not just, we're really focused on those who are already raising their hand, they're reaching out to the company, and then we're just trying to help them complete the buying cycle. And so the, the other part of the equation is we're not pulling the data from social media either. Whereas right. Cambridge Analytic was, again, they had no permission to do what they were doing. Um, because we're getting that information from you know truthful resources, legitimate resources that aren't involved with that, we're just then plugging that back in there. Oh, so, I, I hear you. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean for it to sound like an accusation. No, no, you, no, 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 no. I just, I was, I was reading your <laughs> you facial expression. You were like, you were like nodding as he's like, oh yeah, sell their fa their their Facebook pixel. And I was like, oh well, maybe well, Greg has it, uh, it brings has up, made a few bucks it, there. It brings up a good point because people do all the time, and, and more importantly, they get shut down. So um, you know, between uh, the latest round of updates with Facebook, everyone, including us, has had to reapply for API access, and so it's getting harder and harder. So going back to can you. Can you emulate or duplicate what we're doing? Yeah, uh, it's going to be a lot harder to do that because again, it's not just passing the data; it's knowing what to do with that data, and then we'll get into the transcription side of things later. But yeah, yeah there's a lot more. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So we pay like a monthly fee, and so and you pay we to get, get access. You get to access their pixel. to their pixel, meaning this website that so we that can retarget their visitors. Everyone. Got you. Uh, so as soon as they hit the website, they start seeing ads for Dev Mountain, which for our niche is like gold. Our our lead costs have more than dropped in half so if they got shut down because of that how much of their revenue would you say goes i mean that's got to be a pretty big chunk right i mean the review website where else is is money coming from other than selling the the pixel yeah i mean features like being a feature on the home page blog post can you tell us how other... much you pay you can uh, right because i could just go i'll to tell you this it's uh among the websites that all do this the range is usually between 1500 and uh, 4000 a month okay so we're in that range okay and how many do you do it with we just do it with one because oh. we are, my assumption is All, everyone else has the yeah, same I'm data. I'm probably going to get a very similar audience. But so a workaround we've recently done is we don't want to keep paying this for a long time because, you know, we're, we are going to get new people. So we're, we're still testing. Come on, stop being so cheap, man. Whether, 1400 to 4000 that's nothing for information. But what <laughs> if we could build a lookalike audience? Now, because we don't own the Pixel, we can't just go in and like create a lookalike audience like they could because they own the Pixel. So what we've done is we've created duplicate versions of mm. our popular landing pages that we only send traffic to of these retargeted people. Yeah. And then from there, it builds its own custom audience and starts optimizing. Yeah. So it's not you know people who have visited this website.com. Yeah. But... It could be an even more accurate because now we're getting, you know, Facebook using its AI to figure out traits and whatnot. But it's kind of an interesting workaround where if you were broke and you just needed access for a few months to build up an audience, you could essentially capture the audience of that website. But gotcha. on the on the flip side, if you have a website and you're getting pretty good traffic and you have like a really good niche, uh, that could be a service you could sell under the table and make some some easy money. So just taking notes over there. That's right. So so Brandon. Um, let me introduce you to Greg Judd. Uh, <laughs> he, he works for a company called Ziglio. I think they can really help you guys out. <laughs> Let's set it up. I want a referral well, bonus on that. <clears throat> the, the bottom line is, you know, give the same ad budget to different marketing teams. It's all about strategy and execution, right? What message are you showing to the right person? So when you think retargeting, don't just think, oh, we're going to send a generic vague message to everybody, right? The, the, our secret sauce isn't just pulling the right data. It's saying, okay, based off of the call length, we're gonna say this person is a high intent caller, let's show them a specific message for that. This person is a medium or low intent caller. Very different message, very different call to action. Magically, when you show people the right uh, information, 
they're going to click the click the rig gets higher um anyway so that's the first way we're designating it by the call length and then secondly and this is the really cool part is we record the calls in dual channel like a lot of call tracking companies do but we're articulating the keywords of what the agent's saying versus what the the caller is saying so when when jacob wants the new uh, air jordan whatever shoes they still making air jordans <laughs> if, if they're not they should be um <laughs> But yeah, so literally flagging based off of using artificial intelligence, bundling that product into its own campaign. So again, whether it's shoes, whether it's a certain service, in, in, in Vivint's case, right? So someone calls in, I want solar, right? Automatically bundling that into a solar campaign. Um, and then just setting parameters uh, along those lines. Just to be clear, we don't sell solar at Vivint Smart Home. No, no, you don't. <laughs> so to clarify what I just heard there, Jacob calls in, Let's say to the, we'll stick with the law example. Yeah. Uh, I just got in a car crash and my back is killing me. Like, you don't understand. My back is killing me. Meanwhile, the call is being recorded and, and transcribed. Transcribed. So yeah, now you have metadata and it keeps saying back, back, back. And you guys also, outside of your legal services, sell back braces. Jacob starts seeing ads There's just for business opportunities braces. everywhere here. But that's what it's essentially <laughs> doing, right? Right. But it also helps you. That's pretty cool. That is cool, but it also helps you. Uh, write ad copy, right? If, if you're seeing trends of people whose back hurts Absolutely. all the time, you have back-related injury ad copy that targets that person who's complaining about their back injury. So a good example of this is oftentimes what people are calling in for, there's maybe certain parts of the country where the lingo is different, uh, how they refer to a certain service. Like there's all sorts of things that we're picking up that you would never know unless you're articulating the phone call. So we build a word cloud and we'll show the highest you know, uh, most spoken terms or yeah. phrases, and you can set those parameters, but it's, it's really fascinating to see, wow, I'm, I'm a large law firm doing a hip replacement uh, lawsuit campaign, but yet they're asking about a keyword that we're not even bidding on as part of our strategy. So great, let's integrate that as part of our organic or the paid side. It's very interesting. And your team wants to try to build all that? Sounds like a pain in the butt. Well, it's not me. I don't. I like. I'm the one who's. I'm the one convincing him oh, not to not do that. It's not your team. Sorry. Someone in your company. Well, I mean, if you've got if you've got a team of really smart people, that's the first thing they think is, you know what? They they have APIs that that pull from directories. Like we can do that. That's not a big deal. I'm I, Ziglio has spent a lot more time making it pretty and making it more. Uh, you know, user friendly. Yeah. Usually, I, I mean, it's really easy to use, and it takes almost no time to get up and started and and that's that that's our that's our selling point right so we're not the the SaaS company coming and saying hey um you know we're going to have a large monthly management fee or per seat retainer we're literally having a model where it's pay as you go so someone that's very new to business this the plumber down the street that just wants to see where phone calls are coming from great we can do that all the way up to the company like you guys where you have lots of good data lots of different uh, metrics you're pulling in and it automates a very tedious task which you guys are already doing yeah um so yeah the, the beauty of SaaS is is really freeing up your time to do other things totally so uh brandon i think we've reached the portion of the show where we need to start uh getting the roulette table out oh baby so Let's roulette table Let's so it out. greg you mentioned that you listened to a few episodes you must not have listened all the way through well yeah to be completely honest <laughs> it was more or less i want to hear jacob nail someone on on their questions but i didn't get to the very end that's hilarious yeah so uh what we started doing in season five is at the at the <clears> tail end of the episode we pull out our roulette table uh, and then each number on the table is associated with a question. 
the question can be digital marketing related. It could be personal life related. It could be, would you rather, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and Brandon has compiled a list that we've been using for, uh, for our, what we call digital marketing roulette. Uh, and uh, so as he's getting that out, he'll pull the ball out. He'll, th he'll throw the ball around the table. It'll land on a number. He'll look at a sheet for the corresponding number. And it's just a random way to kind of get to know you better and uh, have ad hoc kind of That's questions that, that are a little bit jarring sometimes. So you ready? Yes. And you, uh, you did explain that some of them are just completely. I did explain right? that. Yeah. Okay. Some of them are not, are not marketing related. All right. So you got the All ball. Right. Let's spin this baby. I got the ball. Let's, let's give it a Whoop. spin here. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can never decide if I want the awkward silence to be included. Okay, the anticipation's building. Red eighteen. <laughs> I think we we decided we that we don't we need the, the color. color. Well, well, well. Sorry, <laughs> just calling it like I see it. All right, here's the question. Um, this one is a random one. Well, not really. We'll see. Who? Oh, sorry, wrong question here. Jeez, I'm like, okay, when people. When people come free to you for help, and this is not even just in business, this is in life in general. When they come for you, when they, when come, they come to, to you, you for help, what are they usually wanting help with? Oh gosh! Like for uh, me, my friends will text me out of the blue. It'll be like two years, and we haven't talked, and suddenly it's like, "Hey, man, I'm buying a new computer. Can you tell me if this is a good deal or not?" Uh, or I might bug my friend who's a mechanic. Like, what's the thing that people go to you for? Uh, to be honest, I would say, Hey, can you introduce me to so-and-so or what do you think of this person? Like, so they want to tap into your network. Well, yeah. I mean, so th that's what I'm really proud of. And I've got my big leap t-shirt on. We'll give big leap a shout out right now. <laughs> um, so Dan Poser and I literally created a system while I was at disruptive. And of course he's still with big leap, but to really build a partner network of like, okay, who do we trust? Who's good at what they do? And if it's a complimentary service that our clients are asking about that we don't do, let's have a good way to refer them over and kind of expedite yeah. the whole process. So, um, yeah, a lot of times it's, Hey, do you know so-and-so that owns this company and is there synergy there? And I'll say, yes, there is or no, there's not. And so yeah, that's what I would say. Very nice. So cool. before we started recording, I asked Greg if I, if I lost my job, if he could help me find a, a new one. And he said, yeah, no problem. He's so got to go to now it's on air. Now it's dude. It's on record. You, you have no worries about finding <laughs> a job. We, we all know that. All right. Next, next question. I, I would like to hear your answer. Uh, you since know, we're on the question. Sure. Whatever. Uh, usually, uh, it's funny. It's changed over the years. I remember when I was, uh, it, this is, I don't know. I'm going to be a little embarrassed because I'm not qualified for what people are asking me about, but before <laughs> I was married and I was single, right. Um, people usually came to me about like relationship advice. And I don't know if that's because I was, I was like, it's your voice, man. It's like just soothing. You're relatable. Yeah. Um, I'd say now in, in my current career, it's probably mostly um, financial career advice, right? And I, and I say financial because over the last few years, uh, my wife and I have, um, uh, we did kind of a modified Dave Ramsey where we're like debt free and like, you know, good for you ma making, making money. And, and, and we, we talk like I brag about it a lot. So now people come to me and they're like, Hey, like we love cash envelopes. Yeah. You know, we've got cash envelope. Like we love, certain aspects of, I, I still have my credit cards. That's why it's a modified Dave Ramsey, but, uh, uh, I'll have people come to me asking, um, some financial stuff, but also like career advice, like, Hey, how do I move up in my, my career? And how do I, 
how do I leverage, you know, the talents that I have to get more money, um, stuff like that. If I came to you for help, do you know what I would be asking for? Do you know what I'm about to say? This is going to be good. Uh, I don't, but for whatever reason, it, it was like hairstyling advice. I don't know why that came into my mind. <laughs> if I needed a, and like an unofficial background check done on someone, <laughs> you would be the guy. Uh, yeah, that's, Jacob there, there was a period a, of an time, amazing yeah. ability to just dig up obscure information on any person. I love it. Like every online, like, online, online. Like, I, like I'm not like going to the local library looking. But he their would archives. if you asked him to. That's true. <laughs> That's true. A, a quick, quick example of that, just because you brought it up. That's uh, Paxton Gray. So Paxton was he used to be a co-host on the show. He he's he's working at 974 yeah. still. Paxton bought a house in Lehigh, and uh, as soon as I saw his address, within five minutes, I sent him information on his uh, on his next door neighbors to the to the north and to the south, and I was like, here's what they Some like and what they dislike. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, I had no clue who they were, but you mentioned earlier that there's a ton of information online that most people don't even know is out there. Uh, and it doesn't take a lot to, to figure out how to, how to find that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's funny. Yes, that is funny. <laughs> it's a good skill. I've learned some things. What's funny about that though, Brandon, is that you've never asked me to do that. Well, ever. that's because I've just, I've, I've been inspired by you and, and I just, just learned do it to do yourself. it. Is there a certain person in mind that you're wanting to inquire about? It sounds like no. you're, no, I know. I've, I, if there is a person, I've already stalked them, <laughs> but I mean, now even just like people that apply, uh, or, or people that I hire or whatnot, like I know everything. Apply for a job, not apply for like a seat in Death yeah. Mountain. <laughs> <If> you're, like, <laughs> you're stalking all the students. I don't have time for that. But I did do like neighbors, like when I was looking to move to a neighborhood, you know, you go to look at the land records and you find people and you stock them on That's social. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you know, just everyone's, moved. you know, everyone's like, uh, what they paid for their house, what their political views are, what, what they like Taylor Swift or Jay-Z. I mean, people put everything out there these true. days. So it's hopefully true. they say Jay-Z. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> you got something against T-Swizzle. No, no. My, my daughter loves <laughs> no, Taylor no, Swift. No, no, no. Nice lady. All right, here we go. Let's, let's roll the, let's roll the ball again here. All right. This is fun. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Let me, uh, where's the ball, Jacob? Oh, there it is. There it is. So while this is rolling, um, every once in a while we try to, we put some money down on what number it's going to mm -hmm. fall on. So, uh, I'm putting, I'm putting $10 on red. Or does the color? Ah, oh, it was black. 22. Okay. Sorry, bud. All right. Well, you just lost money goes to the house. <laughs> All right, next question here. What advice would you give to someone who's considering a career in marketing? You know, that's a great question, right? That's what everyone's constantly We're full of those. To. Yeah. <laughs> well, the bottom line is uh, being hungry for new knowledge, right? Everything that you learn, and, and you talked about this earlier with traditional college and how, from a marketing standpoint, what what we're doing is definitely not what they're teaching up at the U or maybe BYU is better. Just, just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm a huge, so yeah, anyway. So the bottom line is being flexible, uh, being a strong communicator. I mean, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but unless you can convey that to a client or to uh, a coworker, like learning how to disseminate the right information at the right time, um, how to gather the right data. I mean, there's just, I, I would say, yeah, being very flexible to, to new data as it comes along. I love it. I love it. Jacob, any advice from you? Any advice for anyone who's looking to get into marketing? Don't go find something else. The there, bots are you, coming. You know, there is a part of me that <laughs> thinks that like everyone's while I'll be in my car driving. I'm like, do I really want to stay in marketing? Right? Like, do I want to work for the man? And uh, cause 
like my personality, I'm an ESTP, right? So if, if you're into Myers-Briggs, you know, ESTP, they're the, they're the big mouth, big headed, egotistical, really good negotiators. So how do you find this information out? You take some quiz. Yeah, there's a quiz. You can, you can take it online. Just, just check it out. I, I, I'm at, Paulson, uh, actually. This isn't one of the five love languages. No, it's not a five. Uh, it, <laughs> let me, I'm going to guess what you are. Okay. And then you go sure. take the test. I'd like, yeah. Give me a link afterwards. I'm going to guess that you are uh, introverted. So that's I. Right, okay. so I'm an ESTP. E is extroverted. Mm-hmm. You're an I. You're introverted. Now, uh, you Here's probably are, I told you everything about my personality. I know everything about you. So <laughs> you're an I S. S is sensing versus F, which is feeling. Okay. So you're more sensing than you are like, like I've never seen you cry. I've never seen you even get close to crying. Usually, when I get to my car is when I let it all I'm out. Right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I bet you're an I S T, which is thinker, not testosterone. No. Okay. T, uh, P. I'm going to say you're everything like me except the I. You're going to be an ISTP. What's that spell? I'm going to write this down. ISTP. ISTP. Yeah. So, I mean, that was probably 30 seconds that we didn't need to put on the on the show, but well, you're an ISTP. So, I'm an ESTP, which also is uh, entrepreneurial. So uh, there are parts of, like, I, I own an RV rental business, right? And, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and I have a podcast, right? So I'm always trying to do new things. What I would tell to someone who wants to get into marketing is, sure, get into marketing, but do a bunch of other stuff too. But that's, that's, that's me pushing my personality onto someone else, which uh, I recognize uh, as a fact, but also don't care that that is what I would be doing. <laughs> I like it. The, the nice Good thing advice. is we are in a, such a unique situation. What you guys are doing with this podcast and you know how you're uh, promoting Silicon Slopes is, is fantastic. We're, we have an awesome network of people, and I think what we're doing right now is, is game-changing. I really do. Cool. Awesome. I think we've got time for one or two more questions, so hopefully Greg's up to it. Bring the pain. I don't think we asked Brandon what his advice would be. He dodged that one. That ball is going. <laughs> hey, red one. You got red this time. Yeah, well, it doesn't help Money's when I don't gone. put money on My advice one. is short and simple, and I say pick something, pick an area within marketing that you are passionate about oh. and specialize. So you're in into it. the T-marketer. Uh, yes. Is that what it's called? It's called a T-marketer, right? Mm-hmm. I believe no that way. sounds right. I think marketing is growing so big that the jack-of-all-trades are not going to be as valuable. Absolutely. I think they're valuable in, like, startups, but once you start moving up, like, you've got to specialize Absolutely. in something. Nope. So that's my advice is think about that. What's your specialty? My specialty is uh, talking on podcasts about marketing. Okay. Very, very niche. Yeah, it's pretty niche. It doesn't pay well. No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, it doesn't. So, yeah. Um, All right. Let me pull up here. Let's see. All right. Biggest pet peeve you see from companies on Instagram. Companies companies or people? This could be you as a... I'll open it up to just anything, whether it's people, something that people do or companies do. And this is either you as a business person or just you as a consumer consuming content on Instagram. What is it? The pet peeve? You know, social media is such a beautiful thing, but at the end of the day, there's just, there's a mystique or an aura that's not reality of people's lives. And that's, you know, it, it can be good as far as keeping in touch with people that you haven't talked with in a long time. And you're, you're, you're seeing how their family's doing that. That's all great. But I think it also puts a lot of pressure on people um, to live up to a certain expectation of, 
oh, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. I need to be doing this. But um, yeah, I, I, I think just people flaunting probably not who they are. <laughs> do you think companies are guilty? Like, do, could, do you think the same stuff yeah. applies? Well, if companies are more... What, what is marketing, right? Trying to make your startup sound like the biggest and best thing in the uh -huh. world. And maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I mean, that's... I'll, I'll think about the, uh, the business side. We'll pass over to Jacob. Uh, I was just talking to my wife about this, actually. Um, so I follow, I mean, everyone follows people like this, but when I see people who like have an anniversary or it's not an anniversary and they just like post a picture of their spouse uh, or not just their spouse, but their girlfriend or boyfriend or their partner or whatever. And, uh, and their comment or their, their uh, caption is just like so over the top, like, I am, per I'm, I'm, I'm so, I can't, I can't imagine being any happier. Like this person is like, I, 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 we've been together for 15 years and I've never been Hashtag more in love. Soulmate. Yeah. All that stuff. <laughs> it's like, all I think about is your marriage is in turmoil and you are trying to like convince yourself that it's not. They like, won't that's tell their real. partner that, but that's they'll put it online. I know. It's not, it's not real. That's not real. You want to do another question? Let's do it. Or wait, 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 wait. What was your pet peeve? My pet peeve is simple, and it's not as deep as your pet peeves. I hate stories within stories. Does that make sense? Like when someone takes someone else's story and puts it in their story? And share it, and then you try to skip the story, and you can't because it like forces you to like click on the story. And it's oh, like, do you yeah. want to see more? And I'm like, come on. Then you end up just skipping all their stories. So don't ever, I don't ever, ever put stories in your stories where I will skip over I'm all not, of your I'm stories. I'm not sure I even know what you're talking about. Really? Yeah. Like, so when you click on a story, right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever it may be, there's all sorts of things. Oftentimes, magically, you're going to be on someone else's story, not intentionally, just because you didn't hit it the right way or where It's it's very finicky. We'll say that. Yeah, like let's say I recorded a video of you today riding a scooter. Okay. Which I just did of someone else today in Salt Lake. Uh, and let's say you're like, man, I love that video. I want to share that story on my story. So you can actually share the story, and then it shows. Now when people open up your story, there's your story full screen. But then, just inside of those margins so is another like story. It's framed in there. Oh, okay. Oh, but, yeah, I've seen that. But when you yeah, try yeah. to skip it to the right, like you have that much room between like the edge of your phone and the edge of the internal story. But you're just oh, going to hit their story. That much room? You think people know and can see how far I, apart I, your I, fingers are? I honestly are? don't know how people get to the next story without having to watch the stupid story that they just shared. I, I don't know. I feel like I've never I'm had a problem with that. I'm more passionate about this than I realize. So. You know, that might be a pixel thing. No, it's not a pixel thing. I think it's a pixel thing. No, no, I've, no. That's never happened to me before. Okay. I can, After I the can, show, like, how I can about hear, we share a story? I can hear people listening right now, even though this hasn't aired yet. I can hear them <laughs> in their cars and in their in their work Pungent. cubicles. I can hear them saying, what is Brandon talking about? Oh, my. Except that's the it. pixel people. They're like, oh, my gosh, okay. I freaking hate that. After the show, then, we'll do we a little sharing. How's that? Yeah, that's fine. All right, one more. All right, last one. Here we go. It was a good spin. Yeah, it was. And you know what? Black or red, boys. I've noticed that all of your spins last exactly the same amount of time. It's really? insane. Like, the consistency of your spins. Do you know what that landed on? Did you see? No. Well, it's right here. It's Black 31. Whoa. Dude, Black 31 is one of my favorite questions. Is it really? Yeah. So you know the questions already before he's even asked. Most of them I haven't heard, but some of them are repeats. May or, this one may or may not have been asked on previous edition of Marketing Roulette, Digital Marketing Roulette, although these haven't really been digital focused, all of them. What area of marketing right now are you most excited or passionate about? Oh, I mean, everything AI related, everything that 
automates what a person could do, but it speeds it up and allows them to focus on other tasks. Like that's, there's just so many cool things happening. Again, whether it's speech analytics, whether it's predictive analytics, there's just, technology's awesome. So the hmm. automation aspect. Absolutely. Yep. Of marketing. That is, like that is exciting. I feel like I'm, I'm pressured not to use that one. Yeah, well, um, I was kind of leaning towards automation as well. Yeah, I mean, then I get scared that am I going to be automated out of a job one day? Nah, shut up, Brandon. That's a different <laughs> that's podcast. Not, that's I guess. not even a real thing. You don't believe that? No, I don't. Oh. No, I don't. Okay, we have to have a dedicated episode. Listen, then. man, keyword research, for example, right? Like I told a story about how someone told me they use gut their gut to do keyword research, and yeah. I'm like, you're an idiot. Uh, keyword research has it's not automated. I mean, it's automated now. Sure. But you still need human beings to put their input into it. Right now, but. I don't even know if right now. I guarantee you. Guarantee me what? What? I think I think a machine could interpret that data and then just give you. Have you looked at what, what tool, Google what, Analytics? Tell me is what doing tool now? does that. You log into Google Analytics and now they have like an insights thing in the top corner where it's like an intern who just sat and looked at your analytics all day and was like, "Hey, by the way, did you notice this? You might want to start doing this decision. Hey, how about this? Like, yeah, guess what? They're not doing it for you. What do you mean they're not doing it? It's a machine doing it. You just said an intern. You're like, okay, it's yes, like an the intern. Execution okay, aspect. so it put the intern out of a business. Fine. I don't want an intern anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we actually, we got to have an episode where we like map this out step by step. And I want to see an area where you're like, nope, you'll never automate that. I mean, you got, you got machines writing music now. Like they can compose their own music. That's like crappy a creative. Music. It is crappy. But <laughs> the fact that it like can make a decision on like, and you, like, you hear it, you're like, oh, someone must have like, hit that in the piano, like made that tune up. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the beginning stages. We're not there yet. Oh but my gosh. I, I foresee. No dude. Listen, more and more jobs. It's been happening since the, printing the lower press. level jobs are going first. As soon as the printing press came out, people are like, Oh my gosh, I uh, like, I'm a, I'm a writer. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of a job, right? I'm like copying papers with my hand. I'm out of a job. No, you know what the guy did? He learned how to use a printing press because someone needs to, to pull that thing down and, and, and press that paper on those, on those metal pieces of things with like lettering on them. I mean, I'm not a printing and press expert. And now it's a robotic arm just going. That's right. And <laughs> guess what? Look, I'm not. People are still I'm employed. obviously playing have, devil's advocate. You but. can have all this shiny, and I'll, we'll throw Ziggler into this category, all this shiny, awesome new software tools in the world, but unless you have an informed, intelligent person overseeing that, that that's always going to be, whether Things it's are, as many people or whether it's... Yes, there's evidence. There's evidence that automation will happen. It's been happening our entire lives. It's been happening for centuries. The the thing is, humans adapt, and new jobs are created because of that automation. Absolutely. Yeah, I understand that. I'm saying our job, like, I think, I think, from what I see, that there is going to be, like, a robot that can like sit there and look at data and be like. This is the best decision for the company. Really? You think they're going to build a robot who sits in a chair and looks at a With screen? With an English <laughs> accent. Yeah. Like that's a, what they're going to do. A they're, male they're, English they're accent. Not gonna, they're not just going to put the software that's in right. the robot into the computer. We're going to pause this because now we're, I'm going to go back to the drawing board. I'm going to do my research. We just got into the meat of the conversation. That's right. Do your research. We're going to have to come back. Shut this down. <laughs> and really dig into this. I can't episode. remember the question. I don't care what the question was because now I'm pissed. <laughs> Just kidding. It was what area of marketing are you most excited oh, or right. passionate about right that's now? That's right. Um, I had one in my mind that I'm trying to remember, so I'm going to stall by saying random words. It had to do with SEO. SEO is fun. Yeah, SEO is f- 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 fun. <laughs> uh, it was voice search, actually. 
Mm-hmm. So with uh, with the advent of the ele- the echo the echo and the the Google Minis and Apple has their expensive home pod or something like that. Uh, and then you have like Sonos, right? You have these voice activated or voice um, recording devices that um, I, I think back to when Google uh, mobile started to become a thing, right? Like everything was desktop and then mobile kind of made its, made its way in. And every year the share of search kept going to mobile. And then in 2015 mobile took the majority, right? Yep. They took the lion's share and now mobile, like at Vivint, 70, 70% of our traffic is mobile, which is insane, right? Uh, which, I, I mean, think about everything that changes there. When you're des- all your creative teams who are designing oh, yeah. landing pages or ad copy or whatever, they're looking at how it looks on your mobile phone before it, they look at, uh, they should be at least, before they look at how it looks on your, on your computer. Voice search is at, that, at, the, at those 2007, 2008 uh, levels where mobile was back then to where every year, we're, not just year, I mean, it's, it's growing so fast that, you know, intra-month, we're seeing voice searches go up uh, significantly to where uh, people are, I mean, if you're not thinking voice search right now, this is funny because this is like Gary Vaynerchuk's whole spiel nowadays. <laughs> Add some swear words. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now we'll keep this PG. Uh, voice search is, is interesting. It's still in its infancy, and uh, we're gonna see a lot more movement towards voice search. Absolutely. The last thing I'll say about voice search, which is really interesting, is Google ruined our generation's vocabulary and grammar, right? Because like questions, we just like, uh, we left out all the articles in our, in our, in our questions and in our inquiries in Google and voice search doesn't like, I'm sure it would work that way, but people aren't using voice in that way. So the, the upcoming generation who are going to be using uh, voice more, uh, more than we are, uh, it's almost like it's restoring their grammar and, uh, and vocabulary, right? You have to be thoughtful about what you're saying because you have to think, well, if I say it this way, it'll probably come back mm-hmm. with this. Like you have to be more thoughtful about what you're saying. So that's, that's, that's probably the part I'm actually most interested Absolutely. in rather than like the actual marketing part. I like it. Did you have something? <sighs> what are you excited question. about? I don't know. I was like thinking the whole time, like, man, what is like the specific area? Well, I, you told me I, earlier that you're working on uh, uh, lookalike audiences. You had like three different business ideas cool. in the course of this conversation. What did you just say, Greg? I said you had like three different business ideas in the course of this oh. conversation. That, dude, if people were listening to this podcast like regularly, oh. they could have started so many businesses off of Brandon's genius. <laughs> and then my laziness to execute them. Well, well how that's, many, that's, how many that's thoughts all it is. Or, People are having the thought of doing something and someone else does it and then you kick yourself in the foot. <laughs> anyway, uh, Greg, dude, this was awesome, man. This was so much fun, yeah. guys. Again, you should pat yourselves on the back. Like, I will. Spreading the I'm word. doing it right this now. Is, you guys are doing an <laughs> awesome job. Thank you. Uh, no, that was fun. Brandon, it's always a pleasure. I feel like, so this is the first episode we've had since bef- uh, since before Thanksgiving. We kind of took a break for the holidays and things were kind of busy. We, we and, ate a lot of food. Took some time to recover. That's right. Yeah, took a lot of naps. Um, anyway, it's good to see you too, man. Yeah, you too. Nice I, to I meet always you, miss you. Yeah. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, that's all the time we have. Uh, if you have topic ideas or uh, suggestions for people we can bring on as guests or want to leave a Questions review. Questions for the roulette wheel questions for the room looking for some more of those that's right uh feel free to to reach out our our email is inbound at below the fold.io and that's it until next week we'll catch you below the fold you send us a roulette question we'll give a shout out to your business that's a great idea